chapter a production of the heights at avery heights a one-of-a-kind senior living community centrally located near the most entertaining and historical spots in connecticut and it's never too late to grow and enjoy new realms of the mind and heart your next chapter delves deep into topics that will improve the way we think about aging about senior living and and retirement years it is Time to celebrate our seniors and give them wholehearted encouragement to bravely step up to new experiences with optimism, inner peace, and the courage to never give up on growing. And we're going to discuss some exciting opportunities, important resources for older adults, financial well-being, senior living communities, and emotional health. It's all hosted by, of course, the Heights Senior Living Specialist. Savan Seffarelli and myself, Gary Byron. Uh, good morning, Savan. Good morning. It's very nice to see you. How was your week? It was good. It was good. Yeah. Father's Day action. Yeah, and, and of course, more time with your with your new yes granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're still beaming I as you were last it. week. I can't help it. I fell in love with her instantly. Of course you did. I know. I like you did with your grandson a year and a half ago yes. when he was yeah. born. Yeah. We were talking off air, um, but you made some really great points about it's it's a different vibe different feeling when you're the grandmother and not yeah. the parent right yeah. in in you're like the fun that. you know you're the fun yeah you yeah. can just have fun and then just be like okay <laughs> he's <laughs> crying she's crying go change time him. to hand time yeah. to hand her back over nap time yeah 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 well we try to babysit too i mean i try to you know help out as well but you know, it's harder from you know an hour more. away hour i can half spoil away. i don't have to yell you know Wait till they Look get they older. Did. You take care. <laughs> yeah. Wait till they get older. You want to talk about spoiling? I know they're wicked spoiled though. They have everything. How do you think you'll be different as a grandmother as opposed to a, a mom? Well, it's it's different for me because I had my daughter at forty two, and so it's kind of like I'm different with her as a parent. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be kind of the same way. I'm just more aware, more insightful, more connected do you know what i mean you just as i was a young parent with my son and so i was just more into like what do i want to do and me and me and me where now i'm an adult adult, you know and i pay attention more to you know and i see the bigger picture you know if they're upset i'm not just looking at oh you're upset i look at you know i go back i check in you know just more aware of the the uh, consequences of my actions i'm so happy for you yeah yeah. Um, how? Uh, what's new over at the Heights? Well, we have the summer concert series. Yes, you do. Evening under the stars. So we have, and, and the community's uh, welcome. The general public is welcome. So it's June twenty seventh, twenty seventh, from six thirty to eight. We've got jukebox forty five. Uh, people mm. can dance, and then July uh, twenty sixth, from six thirty to eight, uh, we have the electrics. So, yeah, it's a really great event at Avery Heights. Tons of people show up from the area, from the community, but also it's really neat to see, like, the cottagers. They just come outside and just have their chairs sitting there and their little picnics, and it's kind of cool. And it's live music. It's live music, and it's, uh, yeah, it's nice. Like we've a, got a couple of different rain dates, too. Hopefully. Like a band. A band is playing yes, live. Yeah. I mean, It's whoa. really nice. It's, it's a nice. Dancing yeah. and, and singing yep. along to the songs yep. I'm sure everybody's already familiar with. So people have their dinner, and then they kind of go on, go on down and uh, enjoy You know. This is such a happening spot, yeah. the Heights at Avery Heights. Yes. 
I am. T- folks, if you haven't requested a tour yet, well, I don't know what you're waiting for. Or come to the concert. Come to the concert. Yeah. Have You guys give tours with meals included. Yes, and, exactly. and there's no, I mean, you know what? One of the things I, I, you were emphasized a while back that resonated is you're not, here's a contract or here's a sign that you're just, hey, Take take your time. Visit other places. Yeah. You're so confident that you ask that you tell them go check out our our competitors. Yeah. You, you know, and then you'll you'll end up coming back here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big decision. We actually just had a tour the other day and they had toured maybe like eight or nine places, did some tours after us, tours before us, and they were like, I heard them, overheard them talking to the mom, and they were like, by far, mom, this was our favorite. And that's wow. always just, I mean, by far. I yeah, mean, I can understand why. have been to eight yeah. places, and then, you know, that was really nice to hear. Yeah. So, uh, eight know. places, I feel maybe it's a little too many. I, I'd say go to, you know, three or four. Yeah, because there's a lot out there now. Yeah. It's like, it's overkill. Yeah. And you're nonprofit, you know, and, yes. and oh, man, what a place. Yeah. Your grounds, I mean, yeah. I, I've been there, I, you know. The other day I was phenomenal. doing a tour and there was a deer right outside the window. Little baby deer eating, like, little leaves. It was like, it was, it was like almost like a theatrical production. Cue the deer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the deer, it kill like. It's like I planned it, you know, and he's eating, nibbling off the tree, and I'm like, okay, we're done with the deer. In Hartford, nonetheless. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. So I, I find it interesting. I, I the second your guest uh, came in, I'm like, I remember him. The only thing is, I got my timing was wrong. I thought yes. it was back in the fall that he was nope, here. It turned out uh, back in February yep. uh, under a different capacity. Why don't you take the honor to introduce him and, and yes. our topic for this morning? It is my great honor to introduce Dr. Kevin Manning. He was here back uh, earlier this year talking about elder financial health, and he actually did a presentation at our community as well, which was very well received. And today he's talking about a super important topic, uh, driving uh, safely for older adults. This is like the biggest question, biggest dilemma when people come in for tours. It's like, how do I take the keys? Um, it, or, you know, do I take the keys? So, so there's a lot of questions around that. And he is here to hopefully enlighten and answer those questions. Dr. Hey, guys. Manning. Great to see you again. Great Thanks to have for having you. me. Great yeah. to have you back. Um, for our listeners, though, who, that may not have maybe have heard the show back in February that you were on, just tell us briefly a little bit about yourself, what you do over at UConn Health Center. Sure. So I'm a clinical neuropsychologist at UConn Health. Uh, I am asked to often evaluate patients about problems with thinking and memory and make a diagnosis. With that, sometimes comes decisions related to independence and automobile driving and to determining whether somebody is fit to drive. And um, as an aside, I have a longstanding interest in automobile driving. My uh, dissertation was on driving capacity in older adults. So it's it's a very important topic that's near and dear to my heart. Hey, I know people middle-aged that shouldn't even be driving, <laughs> let alone as, as some, some aging seniors. Um, all right. There's a lot of research that have been done on this topic. And I mean, you know better than anybody. What, what, what were you most surprised to learn with the data that was obtained through this research? Yeah, you know, so... I think clearly we know that with increasing age comes age-associated factors that increase your risk of having a traffic accident or making driving errors, like cognitive changes or visual changes. That's clear. What I like to think about, though, is how can we maintain or enhance somebody's driving capabilities to keep them on the road longer so that they maintain that autonomy, that independence. 
that's where I like to see the research going, and that's some of the stuff that we do at UConn Health. Is there any data that support there are more accidents with older adults, or is there other maybe another demographic that the numbers are higher? Yeah, Don't say so, women. So, <laughs> well, let's say women. And if you uh, do, do it behind a shh. Move my chair over. Yeah. So she can move your chair over closer to my, my mic, you know. You know, for, so when, when investigators look at the total number of miles driven, so older adults do drive less. But when you control for that, older adults are at an increased risk of having traffic accidents. Yes. And there's factors that contribute to that. So with changes in age, there's changes in cognition and particularly around processing speed of visual information. So in the clinic, something that we do is we administer tests of visual processing speed and we can actually tell a patient, you know, because of your performance on this test in the clinic, we think that you're falling into this category where you're at increased risk of having an accident mm. or making driving errors. Now, I'll say this is not what I do. I, I sort of comment on this, but then I refer people to a specialist. So when I think about a specialist, I think about somebody who is really a driving rehabilitation specialist, traditionally an occupational therapist by training. And this is an evaluator who's going to do some tests in the office, similar to what I just described, these visual processing speed tests, but then also take people out on the road yeah. and evaluate their driving, similar to what happened when we took a road test to get your license. Where I see this as really important is that this specialist, yes, is making a medical decision about yes or no, is this person safe to drive, but they can also relay strategies or ways to compensate and say, okay, I have Mrs. Smith. Mrs. Smith is making some errors, but I think if we work on these errors, we're going to correct them and keep her on the road for a longer period of time. That's where I see the real benefit of going to an evaluation like that. You know, I would imagine, because uh, I've heard this myself from my own grandmother, where who's long passed away and was driving up until 95, when you're, I want to go, I'll talk about the independence in a moment. Yeah. They think it's their right. It's my right to drive. It's, it's no a one, privilege. It's not a right. It's, it's a privilege. It's exactly. A privilege. It's not a right. There's no right for you. Yeah. You know, um, because you can pose a danger to yourself and Correct. others by being on the road. Absolutely. Let's talk about that because I, uh, the experience that I went through and that my father went through from our, his mother, from our, our my grandmother at, at the time was she felt that she was giving up part of her independence. She wants to go to the market. She goes to the market. She wants to go to church. And you're, you said it. It's all right within town. She wasn't even hopping on the highway. She wasn't going to... My father lives in Avon. Yeah. My grandmother lived in, in, in Wethersfield. She wasn't driving over. My father would come over to her. She wouldn't yeah. drive. But it was just the stuff in town. Yes. That's the only things that she would go to. The post office. The bank. The market. Yep. You know, um, so, you know, uh, there's a statistic that I cite because uh, exactly I hear from patients. Well, I only drive locally or I restrict my drive driving. I'm only driving in during my the day, during the day in yeah. my neighborhood. And the statistic is that most traffic accidents happen within five miles of your house. Mm -hmm. 
So it's not that people are driving distances on that trip to Florida that something happens. It's that local area concern. So, Doc, how do you tell somebody who has been independent for most of their life? Yeah, such a hard question, right? Well, I mean, um, but it's the golden question. It is. So I like to think about it in terms of we want to do everything we can to make sure you, the patient, are driving as long as possible and are as independent as possible. So I talk to them about that point, but also the point that we want to make sure you're safe and other people on the road are safe. I do talk about driving in terms of a privilege. It's not a right. And in the end, it's really the DMV that's responsible for regulating that privilege. Physicians and other clinical providers can provide input, but it's the DMV's decision. So it's not my decision as a provider. I give recommendations. And my first recommendation is what I was describing is really when it comes time to decide whether somebody is fit to drive or not, I refer them for this on-road driving evaluation. And I talk to them acknowledging that this is a loss. This is a loss of independence. This is a loss of autonomy. And how can we compensate for that? So how can we work with either a taxi company to schedule regular visits? Or could be pricey. Could be pricey. There are actually community volunteers, though, through different communities have different setups. But for example, West Hartford has senior drivers who volunteer their time to pick up older adults Mm -hmm. and drive them to appointments in the grocery store and things like that. So you can find people who will volunteer their time without substantial costs to drive you places. But yeah, I, I acknowledge with my patients how difficult this decision is. It's not an easy decision to come to. I mean, we, 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 of course we want people to maintain autonomy as long as long as possible, but we also want to ensure safety of the individual, right? Yeah. And, and, and our larger society as a whole. So what are the age-associated factors that increase risk of accidents? Yeah, so um, cognitive changes from a cognitive standpoint that means a decline in certain processing speed abilities. Okay. That means visual changes, somebody's useful field of view, sort of their peripheral vision, how fast can they detect sort of stimuli in their periphery. Mm-hmm. There are computerized tests to assess that. There are physical changes. So when we think about older adults, there's this increase in frailty. There's an increase in their ability to uh, – a decrease in their ability to turn their neck sideways, right? Ooh. So you think about – those types of physical changes that lead to a decrease in flexibility can have implications for just checking behind you when you're backing out of the driveway or checking your side view mirror. Those types of changes are what we talk about when we think about an increase in age-related associations with driving errors or poor driving. Um, But, again... To your point, you know, we know that depression 
increases when we take people's driving licenses away or they relinquish their driving or license. Beca- because it's associated to their independence. Yes. It's associated from a conceptual level. It's associated with their independence, right? It's, it's this abstract concept that now I am dependent on somebody else and I'm not as autonomous as I once was. But also from a practical standpoint, they don't have as much access to socialization. They can't get out potentially to that senior center or they can't get out in their community. So that's why I think about places like Avery Heights and other independent living centers that are so important for seniors because the community is right there and they don't need to drive somewhere. All right. So from and you look at it from a clinical perspective now, someone listening to this. What are some signs that they yeah. should be more, yeah. they should start to notice? Yeah, what sure. are the telltale signs? Great question. So near misses, scratches on the vehicle. Are mom and dad coming home with scratches on the vehicle? Yeah, that's... Are there near misses when they're driving where they're almost about to have an accident but don't? Mm. Is there pedal confusion? Have you observed or has somebody else observed sort of them seemingly confused about which one's the gas and which one's the brake? Those are signs. In addition to that, things we've talked about in the past is, you know, this, this concept of cognitive aging and cognitive changes. So is mom or dad experiencing the onset of a dementia or the onset of mild cognitive impairment? Do they have a clinical diagnosis related to memory concerns or thinking concerns? Mm. Those are the types of things I would ask people about to start to think about, well, we might need to pursue this further and evaluate driving. Mm in order to keep that person safe. And it's scary, too. I remember a story where the guy was driving around in the summer with the dog in the car, mm. and he had the windows up, mm. and the dog ended up dying. Mm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Because it was hot, really hot. Yeah. And so there's a lot of horror stories when it comes to driving beyond just the accident yeah. piece of the portion. Folks, you are listening to your next chapter, a production of The Heights at uh, Avery Heights. Uh, one-of-a-kind senior living community. Along with Savan Seffarelli, I'm Gary Byron. Our guest uh, this morning is uh, Dr. Kevin Manning from UConn Health Center. You know, it's funny, or maybe it's ironic is a better word. You, you associate accidents with reckless driving, mm-hmm. and you see get people get pulled over for speeding. I mean, mm-hmm. my goodness, speeding in, in Connecticut on our highways and byways is just incredible. But I think something that's just as dangerous is a person, um, and it's usually, though, not always, but usually elder, and they're driving way below the speed limit. Mm. And not just on a, on a back street, but on a highway. And I'm like, buddy, you're going to get yourself killed. Mm-hmm. Get out of that lane mm-hmm. and get over to the far right lane. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you're look behind you mm. and... People are just cutting because they're upset. Mm-hmm. They're zooming by you. You can't. You're not supposed to pass on the right. You're causing people yeah. to pass you on the mm-hmm. right and then cut you off because yeah. I'll yeah. tell show them they don't realize. They probably don't even realize until after the fact that that the person's elderly. But that's a fact as well. Sure. Is, is driving so slow exactly. that you're a, you're a hazard. Exactly. And so that's a known hazard. There's also a known hazard of. You know, older adults are more likely to be involved in traffic accidents when turning left in unprotected turns. Sure. Mm -hmm. And similar to what you're describing is this decline in processing speed, really, in Mm -hmm. visual attention, where it's harder to judge or estimate 
the speed of an oncoming vehicle or yeah. perhaps even a vehicle behind you, as you're describing. Mm-hmm. Um, or driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. Well, we man. We run into that a lot. Aren't we? Yeah. That's, you know, something to, think at of, night. something to think about is, you know, just to go back to our point earlier about a cognitive diagnosis, more and more, you know, as our population ages, we're, we're encountering older patients who have a diagnosis of something called mild cognitive impairment or early dementia, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's disease. And we see patients who continue to drive with those diagnoses. And I, I'm not making the point that having that diagnosis excludes you from driving. What I'd like to say, though, is if you do receive a diagnosis like that, you and your family should start to have a conversation that at some point in time, okay. you're going to need to relinquish this driving license. And it makes sense, in my mind, to start to have that conversation earlier mm. rather than later. Yeah. Kev, I'm glad that you bring this up because I'm yeah. running out of time and that's exactly what I was, where I wanted to go next. This has got to be a difficult question or even proposition to initiate, um, but... If someone is concerned about their own driving or maybe a, a parent's driving yeah. or grandparent's driving, like I experienced with, with, with mine, what's the first step? What do they do? What's the first step that you recommend them to do? So first step is talk to their physician or other clinical provider and express those concerns. And if it were me, I would also say I'm interested in either for myself or my loved one in having a clinical driving evaluation. And this is a driving evaluation with the occupational therapist, the driving rehabilitation specialist. Start to put that on the provider's radar about something of concern. With that comes a conversation as a family. And to for children to talk with their parents about what they've observed and how they're concerned and get parents' feedback. You know, <laughs> what you say makes sense, but... Sure. You know what I'm going to bring up next, I right? I sure do. The resistance yeah. that you're going to be For met human with. Beings, is, right? yeah. yeah, I mean, that's For not real an easy. People. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and certainly there's going to be pushback in some cases. Oh, yes. And you know, with some illnesses, there's there's a lack of insight, so people might not recognize that weakness. But I do think it makes sense to talk about it as a family and acknowledge. I think you would be surprised if you we're able to have that conversation with your grandmother, right? And say to her, I know this is a source of independence for you. I know how much you value this. But can we speak honestly about mm. the fact that I want to keep you safe and somebody else safe on the road? I, I, Gary's running out the door. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. He's going to eat his pie and then be like, yeah. Grandma, you look great. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't misinterpret me. I'm not. First of all, you're the expert. but And I'm not even disagreeing with you. I'm not saying that you're wrong. Um, actually, I mean, right, who am I to say that you're wrong? You're right. I don't disagree with you. All I'm saying is easier said than done, sure. mister. You sure. know? <laughs> and that's where, and that's why, to your point, that's why this clinical driving evaluation yeah. is so Somebody very else, important. The professionals, yep. Because that provider is going to give you a yes or no decision yep. about no. whether you or that loved one is fit to drive. Yep. That doesn't happen everywhere also. I just want to make that point for folks listening that you can't just go to any driving instructor and get that evaluation. That driving instructor would take you out of the road and they they might 
comment on your driving, but they're not going to give you that hard and fast yes, no, are you safe to drive? And that's this you're driving right, I, I, and we all know you're right. Yeah, um, but they, it, I don't want to. I mean, come full circle here, but it comes back to it's my right. I, I've been driving before you yeah. were even a glimmer in my yeah, eye, sure. you know, and it's like, no, it's not your right. No, I'm a taxpaying, nothing <laughs> yeah. to do with that. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, it's a privilege, it's a privilege. not a right, yeah. you know, and, but they don't understand that. They, yeah. So for patients who are really resistant to sort of relinquishing their driving, you know, we, we and they might not want such an evaluation, the physician can write a letter to the DMV requesting that that person relinquish their driving privileges. The DMV will then send a letter to the patient. If the patient is still driving, still holding on to that, I've had families come up with different scenarios, and this depends on what works for you and your family. I've had families say to a loved one that the car doesn't work anymore. (laughs) I've had families disconnect the battery. I've had families hide the keys. So there are other options to consider. I'm not advocating misleading our patients, obviously. Repossession. <laughs> you didn't pay the bill. The car's gone. <laughs> somebody stole it. <laughs> that might work for somebody, too. <laughs> but what I do want to say is, you know, you have to make a decision as a family, pros and cons, balance that independence, right. but also the safety yeah. of your no, loved one. Well, yeah. so we all know you're right. It and the safety like of other something. people on the road. Do something. Do something. Don't, Don't just, wait. Yeah. I knew, I mean, thank God for my grandmother did not get into an accident. What happened yeah. was she was less than a mile from her house and she was lost. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and there was no accident. Right. But, I mean, she pulled o- she pulled over and she talked to a cop. Coincidentally, and so we had a cousin on that side of the family who was a cop in the same town. It wasn't him. But she goes, oh, you know, I've got a cousin who's, a- oh, quickly got him over and was like, well, I'll take care of this. That doesn't, granted, that doesn't occur for everybody. That's just luck. Um, listen, I've I got one minute remaining. Any other helpful hints or tips that you can help us with, out, you know, our listeners with this topic? Yeah, just, you know, if you're concerned about somebody's driving, start to observe the driving. I mean, how many people actually don't drive with their parents anymore, aging parents? Get in the car with them. See what their oh, driving's yeah. like. First hand. Have them drive you to the grocery store. Follow them in your car and see what their behavior's like. How fast are they going? Are they that person who's driving or, or how slow curve, are they right? going? <laughs> you know, take some behavioral <laughs> observations yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's great advice. I am so, oh, I'm so glad that we had you yes, in uh, this you. morning. What, you what exceptional Thanks, advice that you uh, provided. I want to thank our, our guest who uh, twice now knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. from Yukon Healthcare Center, Dr. Kevin Manning. Uh, really appreciate your time. we got to come back on again. Yes. Another, we'll see you in four months from now. We'll have a <laughs> different topic. Um, or a year, depending on no, who you No, no, I don't want to wait that long. <laughs> Folks, you've been listening to the latest edition of Your Next Chapter Senior Living with Savan Seferelli, the Heights Senior Living Specialist. Avery Heights, by the way, is a beautiful senior living community nestled within 43 acres of nature right in the heart of the junction between West Hartford, Newington, and Hartford. Now, those who live there have access to a full continuum of care, including 
independent and assisted living right to memory care and even more. All you got to do is hop online and visit AveryHeights.org. That's AveryHeights.org. Or call this number, 860-953-1201. 860-953-1201. To learn more about their own special brand of community, unlike really any other in Connecticut. For Savan Seferelli, I'm Gary Byron. Again, thanks so much for listening to your next chapter. Until next Saturday, have a good one, everybody. Thank you.